0: Thank you for choosing this podcast. It's our pleasure to share with you the word of the Lord. Proverbs 23.12 says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Join us as Pastor Jim Blunt shares God's word with the people at Christian Outreach Center in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. The message that I want to bring you this morning is about Jesus And specifically, it's titled From the Stable to the Cross or The Stable and the Cross. Either way you want to say it. Preferably, I guess, The Stable and the Cross. I want to talk about how that the birth of this little child, as precious as he was, was very disturbing in many ways. I want to say to you this morning that it should disturb us. This Christmas season... Should disturb us it should certainly disturb those who don 't know Jesus in your Bibles. you will read this verse. it comes from the book of the book of Luke where the prophet Simeon was prophesying over Jesus as they brought him to the temple to uh, thank you to be um, dedicated circumcised and um, The prophet Simeon was an old man. He came and he saw the baby and he said this. He said some wonderful things, but one line in what Simeon said must have really stuck in Mary's mind. Now remember, this is her little baby boy, her first. And she's quite young. I mean, we don't know exactly how young she was, but she was pretty young, probably well under 20. And the prophet prophet Simeon said that this child is set for the rising and falling in essence of many people in the land. But then he said, and a sword shall pierce through thine own soul. Speaking to Mary, probably to Joseph too, but certainly to Mary. What would you say if you brought your baby for dedication And a prophet came and said something like that to you concerning your baby. Would that disturb you? Would that bother you? You see, in Israel at that time, there was great expectation of a a deliverer who would deliver them from the oppression of the Roman Empire and reestablish the throne of David. Much of the expectation was materialistic in nature. But there were those who were looking for a Savior, a Messiah, as prophesied in the Old Testament, not simply who would take the throne of David, but who would deliver them from their sins. What Mary is hearing is one of the first prophecies in the... Story of the birth of Jesus, of his work on the cross. In this phrase is the view, and it is, if you're looking in the Bible, it's Luke chapter 2 verse 35. Luke chapter 2 verse 35. It is bringing into view both the stable and the cross. I heard on a, on a, a radio broadcast this morning, he was born to die for you and I that is a difficult thing to understand in December 1968 which dates me a little bit but in December of 1968 I was in the military and I was in AIT advanced training at a military base Fort Mama New Jersey I was due to finish my training in January Christmas time came and they gave us a break. Most of the classes that preceded me, I'd say 90% of them, received orders to go to Vietnam. It was just about understood that most of us would go to Vietnam. I came home that Christmas here to Tennessee to be with my family and Renee, knowing that. That nine times out of ten, when I returned, I would have orders to go to Vietnam. How do you tell your family at Christmas time that you're going to be going to a war zone just after Christmas? How do you, you don't want to ruin their Christmas, you don't want to cast a shadow across the joy and the celebration of the Christmas season, but you know, you know, I knew what lay ahead. Mary, as she held her little baby boy on that very first Christmas morning, and certainly there in the temple when the prophet Simeon spoke those words, she realized once again that he was not an ordinary baby. He was something very, very, very special. He would be the Messiah, her Savior. But to do that, he would have to suffer a cruel death on the cross. How much did she know? I do not know. I know that as he grew up, more and more, she must have seen something different about Jesus. Moms, you perceive things about your kids that dad misses. Dad doesn't pay as close attention as you do. You watch how they react, how they respond, and you cherish in your heart those memories for years and years. Us dads, we are so busy making a living that a lot of times we don't really ...get to know our kids as well as we should. At least I didn't. Mary watched him grow. At age 12, they came back to the temple. Once again, cause for concern. After they left to go home, they couldn't find Jesus. Where is he? Had to go back to Jerusalem. At 12 years old, he's sitting there in the temple... Debating with the scholars and they're amazed that a child of 12 would have such wisdom and knowledge as he had. His words to his parents when they corrected him. We were worried about you. He said to them, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Once again, that must have disturbed Mary. What is this? His father's business. But think of how it must have been when he had grown up and he starts his ministry at age 30 and he starts preaching. And we know from pictures throughout the Gospels that there were times when things that Jesus said and did did disturb people and did concern Mary. And she came at one point with the other kids wanting to take Jesus home. Isn't it characteristic of a mother and a father to want to protect their child from harm? We see them taking risks. We see them doing things that could get them into trouble. Even if they're, even if they're right things. Even if they're good things. Still, we are concerned about them What could be the outcome of this? None of us want to see a child hurt, do we? None of us want to see our children hurt in any way. I was reading this week from a uh, director, Mr. Mahaney, I believe is the way you say his name. Mahaney, M-A-H-A-N-E-Y. He directs a ministry called Sovereign Grace Ministries. And I I was reading... Uh, his article he had about the preparation for Christmas and how at this time of the year we're so caught up in all the festivities and everything. He said, Sometimes it's easy to forget that the bigger purpose behind Bethlehem was Calvary. But the purpose of the manger was realized in the horrors of the cross. The purpose of his birth was death. Death. I want you to think about that for just a moment. The purpose of his birth was death. He was the Lamb of God in that manger. To put it more personally, Christmas is necessary because I am a sinner. The incarnation reminds us of our desperate condition before a holy God. Several years ago, World Magazine published a column by William H. Smith with a provocative title, Christmas is Disturbing. Any real understanding of the Christmas messages will disturb anyone. And Smith wrote like this. He said... Many people who otherwise ignore God and the church have some religious feeling or feel they ought to at this time of the year. So they make their way to a church service or a Christmas program. And when they go, they come away feeling vaguely warmed or at least better for having gone, but not disturbed. He says... Why aren't people disturbed by Christmas? One reason is our tendency to sanitize the birth narratives. I like that. Sanitize the birth narratives. We romanticize the story of Mary and Joseph rather than deal with the painful dilemma they faced when the Lord chose Mary to be the virgin who would conceive her child by the power of the Holy Ghost. We beautify the birth scene, not coming to terms with the stench of the stable, the poverty of the parents, the hostility of Herod. He says, don't miss my point. There is something truly comforting and warming about the Christmas story, but it comes from understanding the reality, not from denying it. Let me just take an aside from this for a moment and say, do you realize... That when the baby was born there in the stable, remember Joseph is a carpenter. Most likely they moved from the stable into the house and he continued his trade as a carpenter for about two years before they went back to Nazareth. Of course, in the meantime, they made a trip to Egypt as the scriptures tell us. How would you, if you pulled up roots from where you are right now, and went to, say, Nashville, and a baby was born there, and you had no money, or very little money, and couldn't find a place to live, would that be a great Christmas for you? Not hardly, huh? Do we really understand the situation of Mary and Joseph at Christmas? We sing songs and we have a romanticized idea of what Christmas was really like for them. It was far from easy. It was far from nice. How many of you ever worked around animals? Can I see your hands? You know what's strange to me is churches want to bring camels into church, donkeys, sheep. I don't know I was when I was coming up they, we kept them in the barnyard we didn't bring them in the house we didn't sleep with them we didn't eat with them they were kept in the barnyard that was their place that's where Jesus was born Jesus was born in a barnyard call it a stable call it a manger call it whatever you want but he was out there with the, with the animals that's where he was born how many of you were born in a barn? Can I see your hands? Have't you ever haven't your parents ever asked you that? Hey son was you born in a barn? You left the door open. Malachi foresaw well, well, let me let me get back up a minute. most of us also have not come to terms with the baby in the manger. We sing glory to the newborn king, but do we truly recognize that the baby lying in the manger is appointed by God to be the king? To be the... And now get this. And this is where... This is where the stable or the manger and the cross really come into view. This baby born in that stable in that manger is the king. He is... The king. You can call Michael Jackson or Elvis Presley or Queen or King whoever, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the king in that stable. The minute he was born, he was the king. But now get this are we ready to come to grips with this? That he is either going to be the Savior or the judge. The stable and the cross. You see, he is a most threatening person. Herod perceived that wisely and set out to destroy him. And down through his life, people tried to destroy him because they did perceive who he was. I believe he was a threat to them. Malachi foresaw his coming and said, Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. You see, as long as we can keep him in the manger and feel the sentimental feelings we have for babies, Jesus doesn't disturb us. But once we understand that His coming means for every one of us either salvation or condemnation, He disturbs us deeply. What should be just as disturbing as the awful work of Christ had to do or what should be just as disturbing is the awful work that Christ had to do in accomplishing our salvation. Yet, His very name, Jesus, should have been a clue to everyone. What does the word Jesus mean? Saves. He saves. He delivers. Savior. How do you do that? According to the Old Testament, the only way you could be saved was by repentance and belief in the slain sacrifice for your sins. Now we have an individual being born that we're going to call Jesus, Savior. How is he supposed to save us except by his death? Hey, missed that, I guess. This was a baby who had no sin. And he would become sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This baby's destiny from the moment of conception was hell. Did you hear me? This baby's destiny from the moment of conception was hell. He would die for our sins. And he would go and take the power of hell captive And he would take the place of sinners so that we wouldn't have to go there and spend eternity. So, when you look into the manger and you see the little baby this Christmas, it should cause us to quake and shake as we realize who he is and what he came to do. He's the Savior. He's going to give His life for me and you. It's what He's born to do. It's what it's all about. Somebody said, you know, when Jesus prayed in the garden, and He said, Father, if it be Thy will, what was He saying? Jesus is saying what you and I say. Why was this awful thing necessary? Why did he have to suffer the beating that was such, such a horrible thing? And then the death on the cross. Why? Why is that necessary? Can I explain that to you? Because of the awfulness of sin. A holy God had been offended... And he had to be, his justice had to be satisfied. You know, I'm amazed at people today. They will do things that Jesus couldn't do. Yeah. Amen. People today will do things that Jesus couldn't do. They will get sinners into heaven without salvation. Yeah. I'm amazed at that. Jesus couldn't do that. Jesus couldn't get you and I to heaven without dying for us. And yet today, there are people who claim to be Christians who will try to get sinners into heaven without acknowledging the fact that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Without repenting of their sins. Changing their ways. And living for God. Jesus couldn't do that, friend, and neither can you. He had to die for our sins. You see, looking at a manger, looking at a baby this Christmas, let's be aware that that little baby was born to die for us. He would grow up, become a man. He would go to a cross for you and I. That's the message of Christmas. Christmas. God reconciled a rebellious, sinful world to himself in the death of a baby. I mean, in the death of Jesus. That's the only way it could happen. That's God's way. Now, there are people who try to think up other ways, but that is God's Way, Most of the people who try to get sinners into heaven without salvation do not comprehend how awful, how serious sin is. Man's sin had alienated him from God. And man's reconciliation with God is possible only through faith in Christ. Christmas is disturbing because it's not only the stable, it's the cross. Both have to come into view to adequately understand the birth of Jesus Christ. His birth was a wonderful thing and we celebrate it wonderfully every year. Properly understood the message of Christmas confronts before it comforts. Let me say that again. Properly understood, the message of Christmas confronts before it comforts. Confronts us with our sin, and then comforts us with the knowledge that this baby, when sacrificed on the cross, becomes the Savior of all mankind. I take comfort in that. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I hear it no more. That's my Savior. That's my Savior. The purpose of Christ's birth was to live a sinless life Suffer as our substitute on the cross and bring to us the fact that He satisfied the wrath of God that was to be poured out on us. And in His death, He secured for us forgiveness and salvation. Christmas is about a holy God whom we call Father who was offended by our sin. He took the initiative As Jesus himself said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that's his Father he's talking about, that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus who's doing the talking, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his Son, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him they might have life. He said that early on in his ministry. He knew who he was. He knew what he must do. He knew what lay ahead. The cross did not take Jesus by surprise. It was in the plan before he came to earth. Only those who have been profoundly disturbed to the point of deep repentance, are able to receive the tidings of comfort, peace, and joy that Christmas proclaims. So I got a question for you. Does the stable and the cross, as typified in that scripture that I read to you, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul. Does the Christmas season, does the birth of Christ disturb you? If it disturbs you, then you need to repent. If it doesn't disturb you, it means that you have understood who He is, why He came, and that you have repented of your sins and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you go into... Uh, there's a there's a there's a commercial on TV that I like you know it I don't care for a lot of commercials but now and then they put one on there that I like you, you know the scene they're in the mall people are walking along with their gifts and this girl starts singing and pretty soon there's an ensemble of people singing around them and at first people gather around thinking they're singing Christmas songs but the words to the song, that they're singing become apparent. And what they're saying to them in essence is, You shoppers here in this mall paid way too much for your gifts. And you can see the smile on the one guy's face. He's smiling as he's listening to them sing. And the smile slowly fades away. And he looks in his bag and he looks back. I love that commercial. Because it's reality. <laughs> and then at the very end is the best part. Rene loves the best part, the end of it, when the, uh, I guess he's a security guard, comes along and says, Move along, folks, move along. (laughs) And he says it in such a neat way. We like that. Move along, people, move along. You see, it's discomforting. It's disturbing. And that's what Christmas does to people that you're going to come in contact with in the next few days. When you talk about who He really is, when you take Christmas out of the Santa Claus realm and you bring it into the Savior realm, and you talk about how happy you are that He saved you, you're gonna make them uncomfortable. You're gonna make them uncomfortable. And the minute you see that they're uncomfortable, how many of you like the song Christmas with a capital C? You like that song? How many of you heard that song? Have you? Haven't heard that song? Have you heard Okay, here's what you do. I'll tell you how to hear this song. Drive down the Watt Road on Interstate 40. Get off on Watt Road. Come back over the interstate. Unless you want to go through the lights. You can go through the lights if you want. But I prefer to sit over on the hill by the truck stop and see the whole thing. Tune your radio to 107.1. And just sit there and watch the light display and listen to the music. And I guarantee you, at one point in it, they're going to play Christmas with a capital C. And in that, he talks about how people get uncomfortable when we say, Merry Christmas. You notice how they're wanting to take that out of everything? You can say, Happy Holidays. And he points out in that song, why, don't, why do they want us to say happy holidays? He says, there's lots of holidays in February. And you don't hear people going around saying happy holidays. <laughs> but you say Merry Christmas. And it bothers people. Who, who are full of rebellion and sin. Who have not made that little baby the King and the Lord of their life. They keep Him in the manger. But folks, He's not in the manger anymore. He's not even on the cross anymore. He's not in the tomb anymore. He is on His throne. He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And one day, this faith that you and I have, this belief that we have, is going to see Him. We're going to see Him with these eyes. It's what Job said. I know that I will see Him. And not another. He said, in my flesh I will see Him. Job had the faith in the resurrection. So do you and I. And we're going to see Him. And we're going to shout. And we're going to worship. And we're going to praise Him. And all those people who mocked and laughed and scorned and... Rebelled and didn't accept him as Lord and Savior on that day, they're going to see him too. And they're going to say something like, you mean, you mean those religious nuts that used to talk about Jesus all the time were right? And somebody standing next to them are going to, Here's your sign. <laughs> right. Too late. Friends, I know most of you personally. I know every one of you personally. (laughs) It's not too hard in a church this size. I know that you know the Lord. So, how do I want to close this? I want to close this with reminding you once again that this Christmas season, you're going to make some people uncomfortable when you talk about Jesus as your Savior. Don't worry about it. Talk about Him anyway. Talk about Him as though He's your best friend talk about him the way he is he's alive don't talk about him in the in the in the uh, past tense talk about him in the present tense he's my savior now right now would you stand with me father god if we make some people uncomfortable this christmas season Talking about our Savior, may we have the grace and the knowledge and the wisdom to also explain to them that if they will deal with Jesus now, they can have Him as Savior. But if they wait too late, they will only know Him as Judge. Help us, help us to talk to our loved ones out of love and yet without any shame or embarrassment. Because truly this season is about Him. It's not about Santa Claus, Christmas trees, Christmas presents. It's about Him. Give us a special Christmas anointing to make some folks uncomfortable so that we can tell them about Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I know that Randy has a song of some kind to uh, close this service with today. And I hope that you will have lots of good times this week. As you have already been told, we will not have a Wednesday night service. So, you will be able to enjoy the time with your family. Some of you may have to do some travel. I understand that. And if you do, you have traveling mercies of God with you. And you return safely to us. I can remember the times when we lived away from home and we were have long distances to travel to get home for Christmas to be with our kids or be with our families thank God we don't have that now we have our families right here with us but if you have to do some travel may you have the traveling mercies of God take the hand of somebody close to you I'll take the hand of this little pretty little on the front row go over there and take that lady's hand Let's pray. Father, it's Christmas. Father, it's Christmas. What does this look like from where you are? Jesus, what does this Christmas look like in comparison to that one over 2,000 years ago? What does it look like to you today? I think one thing, Jesus and Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit, one thing for sure I know. You are looking down on this world with eyes of love and you are very, very concerned about everyone that has not yet come to the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. And right now we prepare our hearts to be your servants and your messengers as we go forth from this place to touch our family who are closest to us some may be going through some very difficult times just like Mary and Joseph in that first Christmas poverty they didn't have a whole lot some of our families and some of our friends may be like that help us to help them some may be facing some really tough decisions. Help us to be sympathetic and understanding and pray for them. Still others of our family may not know you at all. Help us to live our life in such a way that, yes, it disturbs them, but they know we love them. In Jesus' name, amen.